Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour, me, you idiot. Welcome back, everybody, to the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. Got a great show for you today. We have the second installment of Movie Time. Uh, so as you recall, just a couple episodes back, uh, was the very first installment, the debut episode, the maiden episode of Movie Time, in which uh, myself and my nephew, Nathaniel Straps, who's sitting directly in front of me, we watch movies, and then we talk about them. Go ahead and say hi, Nathaniel. Hello. And uh, as we explained to the people last time, what we do is uh, you and I, we've compiled a list of movies uh, specifically movies that you haven't seen before, and then more importantly, really great movies that you haven't seen before, or a great intern. They're, they're they're movies that I really love. The listeners, they as far as they might disagree with me, I have no idea. But I I like to think that I've picked movies that you know I really love, but are sort of universally in a larger sense. A lot of people like them, and then you haven't seen them. Then we watch them, and then we talk about them, and we call it movie time. Uh, all right, so so for today's episode of Movie Time, Nathaniel and I watched the Woody Allen classic, Annie Hall. This is sort of the, uh, the probably the seminal Woody Allen film. Like, this is the Woody Allen film. When you think of uh, the canon of Woody Allen films, Annie Hall is arguably... Uh, argue, arguably at, at, at the top of the at the top of the list at the at the head of the canon. I don't know if that's a phrase, but I might have just turned it head of the canon. It sounds like an idiom. Could be. Um, and uh, it's I you know I I love well obviously I love Annie Hall because I picked it as to, to to watch with Nathaniel. But one of the things that I was telling you Nathaniel is that as much as I love Annie Hall. I don't necessarily know if it's my favorite Woody Allen movie as much as I love it and I love it an awful lot. But in the interest of this series, which we call Movie Time, it working just, title. <laughs> you call it a working title. It's 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 set in stone until I say otherwise. <laughs> movie Time with Nathaniel. Oh, that's right. That's, that's what you'd like it to be. That's what it is. Annie Hall. It's 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 easily one of my favorites, and I love I love it to death. Um, it's probably not my very favorite Woody Allen movie, but in terms of this series, Movie Time. With Nathaniel. With Nathaniel, if you like that. Um, it seemed appropriate that I should show you Annie Hall before I showed you, like, another Woody Allen movie that I enjoy. So that said, that's where we are with this episode of Movie Time. We're going to talk about Annie Hall, by, uh, directed by Woody Allen, written by Woody Allen, along with uh, his, uh, his uh, longtime uh, writing partner, Marshall Brickman. He doesn't write every movie with him, but he's written uh, several movies with Marshall Brickman. Mm-hmm. Annie Hall, it's the original release date was April 20th, 1977. So you were, you were, pro- you were not even a glimp in your mother's eye because she was about four years old, five years old, if I'm doing my math correct. You don't know that. I may have been. You may have been a twinkle in your mother's eye when she was five years old. Slightly inappropriate, but I guess it's possible. Slightly inappropriate? You're the one that said maybe you were. I'm just trying to go with you. On I this thought one. it was a little more inappropriate than slightly. All right. 
Well, well, whatever. In my case, I wasn't born either. However, I would be born later that year. You were uh, born. You I was born. I was born December 9th, 1977. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, so you didn't see this in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see it in theaters. Uh, my mother, your grandmother, was likely pre- pregnant with me when it came out. If I had to guess, she probably didn't see it in theater. So, so yeah, I'm going to say neither in person nor in my mother's womb probably did not see it in theaters. But, it, but, but, uh, but, but, you know, it, it came out the same year I was born. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I was also born the same year that Elvis died. I think it was 77. I feel like that might be true. Bad omen. Could be, I guess. But anyway, uh, let's start with uh, we'll start. Well, actually, we'll, we'll start with a synopsis. Okay. And then, um, actually, how about this? But uh, before I start with the synopsis, uh, really quickly, uh, I'll, we'll start with the, the the trailer, the original trailer for Annie Hall. What do you think about that? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So, so here's the here's the original trailer for Annie Hall. A relationship, I think, is is like a shark. You know, it has to constantly move forward or it dies. And I think what we got on our hands is a dead shark. Woody Allen. I love what you're wearing. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, well, it's, uh, this is, uh, this ties present from Grammy Hall. Who? Grammy? Grammy Hall? Yeah, my Grammy. What are you kidding? What did you do, grow up in a Norman Rockwell painting? Diane Keaton. You don't want me to live with you. How, how, I don't want you to live with me. How, whose idea was it? It's mine. Yeah. Was it, it was yours, actually, but uh, <clears throat> I approved it immediately. Tony Roberts. The one with the VPL. VPL? Visible panty line. Yeah, she's a 10 max, and that's great for you, because you're, you're used to twos, aren't you? Carol Kane. What, what, what's your name? Allison. You're like New York Jewish left-wing liberal intellectual Central Park West Brandeis University with the socialist summer camps and the the father with the Ben Sean drawings, right? And the really, you know, strike-oriented kind of... uh, Stop me before I make a complete imbecile of myself. No, that was wonderful. I love being reduced to a cultural stereotype. Paul Simon. We're going to meet Jack and Angelica and have a drink there, and if you'd like to come, we'd love to have you. We can just sit and talk, nothing. Uh, not a big deal. It's just relax. Just be very mellow. I, I don't respond well to mellow. You know what I mean? I have a tendency to. If I get too mellow, I, I ripen and then rot. Shelley Duval. I was at the Stones concert in Altamont when they killed that guy, remember? Yeah, were you? I was, I was at an Alice Cooper thing where six people were rushed to the hospital with bad vibes. Janet Margolin, Colleen Dewhurst, Christopher Walken in the new Woody Allen film. Were you always funny? What is this, an interview? We're supposed to be making love. Annie Hall. No, that was the most fun I've ever had without laughing. Annie Hall. And we're back. That was fun. So uh, so here's a quick synopsis uh, for, for Annie Hall, directed by Woody Allen. The comedian Al V. Singer played by Woody Allen, is trying to understand why his relationship with Annie Hall, played by Diane Keaton, ended a year ago. Growing up in New York, Alvy vexed his mother with impossible questions about the emptiness of existence, but he was precocious about his innocent sexual curiosity. So very simple synopsis. Um, deceptively simple, I would say, because if, if, if you do try to, de- to describe the movie, 
It really is sort of that simple insofar as it's, it's about Alvy Singer, his relationship with Annie Hall. We learn at the very beginning of the movie that his relationship with Annie Hall has ended, and he's sort of reflecting on the relationship and trying to, you know, trying to work out what happened. So synopsis-wise, it kind of is that simple, but it's, you know, in terms of how Woody Allen tells the story, it's, um, it's more complex than that, but, it, but in a good way. It's not like Inception complex. It's, you know... Uh, in terms of you know romantic comedies, it's pretty complex. So let's start with the first and most important part of this show, Nathaniel, which okay. is, yeah. how do you like Annie Hall? That's why the title should be changed to Movie Time with Nathaniel. <laughs> it's the best and most important part of the show. Well, I didn't say it was the best, but it is, you know, in terms of the premise of, of this particular series of episodes, you know, you're at the, you're at the center of it. <clears throat> so, so that's, so, so it is, it's, Terribly important. So again, that said, uh, what did you think about Annie Hall? I liked Annie Hall. I enjoyed it. It was it was a mildly entertaining movie. I found myself uh, wondering throughout the movie, what's the point? <laughs> okay, but I was entertained throughout good. throughout the whole movie. Good, good. All right. So you liked it. Uh, uh, last time we did this, I I made up a scale on the spot so we can kind of do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. So you liked the movie. So is it uh, um, like you liked it? You like like is it closer to to love or closer to like? Closer to love or closer to like? What's in between love and like? Well, I, I think you can like. It's like man, I liked that movie a whole fucking lot. Didn't quite love it, but man, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I think on the other end, it's like yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I don't regret watching that. I liked it. On the scale of like to love, maybe I was infatuated. (laughs) All right. All right. I could live with that. I'll tell you one of my one of my concerns uh, with showing you the movie was that, you know, for you, it's it's a it's a much older movie. Like for it. I mean, it's an older movie for me, but it's I'm I'm closer to it than you are. So it's about um, 13 years before I was even (laughs) Yeah, so like for me, something in my mom's eye that you told said, right? I don't remember the idiom. A twinkle, a glimmer, a glimmer. Uh, something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. A sperm, something. I don't know. That's but gross. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out where the line of inappropriateness was. I think we discovered it. That might be it. Well, for you, the listeners, I don't think they care. But see if it's I can make you. My mother. Sure. She's a frequent listener on the show. <laughs> <laughs> in all fairness, I highly doubt that. <laughs> But um, so like I know, like I know for me, it's I, like when I watched Annie Hall for the first time, it was it was you know it was, it was an older movie, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel significantly older. But then you know for you, uh, you know it was it I don't know it's probably the equivalent of me watching a movie made in like the nineteen fifties or something, which I can watch a movie from the nineteen forties or fifties. I can enjoy it, but it's really hard for me to sort of. Um, it can sometimes be hard for me to forget that this is a really old movie because it looks old because it was made in a yeah. time where you know, movies don't look like they look now. So, so for you, because you know you're a, a younger man, this is going to be an older movie. Yeah. That was something that uh, that I that I thought about. Now, was that something that affected your viewing of the movie? Well, first of all, you're not that much older than me. I'm not. Yeah, thirteen years. It's se- not crazy. Seventy-seven minus thirteen years would be sixties. Yeah, 60s, so not the right. 40s or 50s, so a 60s right. movie. I, I can't name one. 
<laughs> I'm thinking of movies like uh, like like Casablanca or. Yeah, that's Gun. old. That's really old. <laughs> but no, I don't think I don't think it affected my um my view on the movie. Like the uh, the crazy 70s fashion didn't throw you off. No, it's it's making a comeback nowadays, isn't Is it? it? I that's think cool. so. Maybe. I don't I don't, I, I mean it definitely made I'm a not com- fashionably savvy. Not a fashionista. Is that the word for it? I think that could be a word for that it. Could be. Hashtag so you were, fashionista. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So you weren't affected by it by the... I wasn't affected by that's it. That's good, okay. But that's at the good. same time, I was mentally prepared knowing that it was an yeah, older movie. it's an older movie, movie yeah. Older, older for you. Um, let's see. So, is, so well, well now give, give me your thoughts on the movie. Because, again, uh, you, I, I'm, I'm glad, uh, amongst other things, uh, I'm very sort of happy to see that you're comfortable. You know, like, you don't feel any need to, to, to like it more than, than you did. For the sake yeah. of the podcast, so so that's good. Yeah. So um, maybe well, let's start with what you liked about the movie. Earlier in the week, when you were telling me that this was the movie mm-hmm. that we were going to watch for the second time, second episode of Movie Time with Nathaniel, um, <laughs> you kind of got me excited about it because you compared it to Five Hundred Days of Summer. I sure did. Which yeah. is a movie that wasn't an old movie for me. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, uh, I really did enjoy that movie starring yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel. The new girl. The new girl. Love yeah. that show. It's a good one. It's a good show. But I, I really did. I was looking for ways to compare it to 500 Days of Summer because you said it That's was very it, similar. Yeah. You said the director of 500 Days of Summer. Mark Webb. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I've never seen him mention this, but when I watched 500 Days of Summer and I, and I, and I love that movie. Uh, I adore 500 Days of Summer. And so one of my first thoughts was, you know, whoever made this movie, he clearly loves Annie Hall. And uh, and I'm not saying that he, he ripped off Annie Hall or copied it, but for me I could see what appeared to be heavy influences in Annie Hall to 500 Days of Summer. So that's something I was telling you. Absolutely, because in the beginning of 500 Days of Summer, uh, they'd tell you that it wasn't going to be a love story. Love story, excuse me. But in Annie Hall... At the same same time, you see them break up first, and mm-hmm. it goes from there. Yeah, and actually, it starts with the uh, uh, it starts with Woody Allen. In fact, the movie starts just with a, a close up of Woody Allen's head, and he's you know he's giving a, a, a monologue, just talking to the camera. There's an old joke. Um, two elderly women are at a Catskill Mountain resort, <clears throat> and one of them says, "Boy, the food at this place is really terrible." The other one says, "Yeah, I know, and such small portions." Well, that's essentially how I feel about life. Full of loneliness and misery and suffering and unhappiness. And it's all over much too quickly. The, the other important joke for me is one that's uh, usually attributed to Groucho Marx, but I think it appears originally in Freud's wit and its relation to the unconscious. And it goes like this, I'm paraphrasing. Um, I would never want to belong to any club that would have someone like me for a member. That's the key joke of my adult life in terms of my relationships with women. You know, lately the strangest things have been going through my mind because I turned 40, and I guess I'm going through a life crisis or something. I don't know. I, I, and I'm not worried about aging. I'm not one of those characters, you know. I, although I'm balding slightly on top. That's about the worst you can say about me. I, um, I think I'm going to get better as I get older. You know, I think I'm going to be the, the balding, virile type, you know, as opposed to, say, the um, distinguished gray for instance, you know, unless I'm neither of those two, unless I'm one of those guys with saliva dribbling out of his mouth who wanders into a cafeteria with a shopping bag screaming about socialism. <sighs> Annie and I broke up, and I, I still can't get my mind around that. You know, I, I keep sifting the pieces of the relationship through my mind and, and examining my life and trying to figure out 
where did the screw up come, you know? And a year ago we were in love. Really, you know, uh, really great monologue, really funny monologue. He's just, at first he's just, he's just kind of talking, you, you know, I mean, he's kind of telling you jokes and, um, and then he's kind of rambling about, you know, age and getting older and sort of what kind of man he is, what kind of man he, he imagines he's going to be getting older because he, you know, recently turned 40. And then it's almost as if he's, it's almost as if he's like distracting himself just by talking about, you know, like life and, 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 and love and, you know, things of that nature. And then he kind of stops for just a brief moment and then almost quietly says, you know, that, uh, that he and Annie recently broke up. And so, yeah. so, so then at that point, very, you know, pretty much from the beginning, you understand that, you know, this character, I don't think we know his name yet, but, we, you know, the mo- because the movie's called Annie Hall, we can safely assume she's an important character at that right. point, and that he and Annie have broken up. So, so similar, as you were kind of mentioning in 500 Days of Summer, at the beginning of this movie, we understand that uh, the main character and the, the title character have broken up, and then, then it kind of goes from there. Uh, but anyway, go on. What else were you thinking? Uh, it just came to me, the point of the story, the plot. Okay. It, it, while, go for it. while you were speaking, I actually thought, what was the point of the story? And I figured it out. Good. Tell me about it. Because as you were talking about his monologue and how he was reflecting on the relationship, mm-hmm. he had just been heartbroken, whether the breakup was mutual or not. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the movie, he he reflects the whole movie on the breakup mm-hmm. and kind of teaches us a lesson that once you can actually reflect and look at it from basically the third person, mm-hmm. that's when you can get over the and rec- right. get over the breakup and recover and get back to normal because you get a sense that Woody Allen, he's or sorry, our main character, Alvy Singer. Alvy Singer, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna move on with his life and Yeah. He's gonna be happy. He's not gonna fret on Annie Hall. He's gonna remember all the good memories that he had with her. But mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, because one of the things about the movie is uh there's no it doesn't have a it's not told in, in chronological order. We get we essentially get a series of scenes, but it's you know again it, it, if the movie is represent it, it, if it's a representation of Alvy Singer reflecting on his relationship with Annie Hall, it's it's sort of how any of us would reflect on say a relationship. We wouldn't necessarily start at the beginning and work our way through. Mm-hmm. We'd remember uh, a really great memory. We 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 might remember. A shitty memory, bad and it fight might not come in. And, and in fact, the, the the first scene that we see with Alvy and Annie Hall, they essentially were having a fight. It's when they're they're at the they, they meet up at the movies, and um, it's actually you know he's he's waiting for uh, the, the, those two guys come up to or one guy goes up to him because he, he recognizes him from TV, so he's yeah. feeling uncomfortable. Then the other guy comes up to him, so he signs an autograph for him, and he finally shows up in the taxi cab. And then you know, uh, Alvy kind of drags him into the theater because he wants to get away from these guys because he's he seems to be very uncomfortable with. Uh, I don't know if he's uncomfortable with, with being famous because again he's a he's a in the movie he's a well known comedian he's been on television so people kind of recognize him. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time we see he and Annie together, and pretty much right off the bat they're sort of you know having a fight. She's mm-hmm. in a bad mood that she has a headache. Bickering over nothing. Bickering over nothing. He asks if she's starting her period. And she's like, you know, why did I'm not always starting my period. They miss the beginning of the movie, so he doesn't want to go in there. She just wants to watch it. And so and this is the first time we see them and it's like, oh, you know, we're were these two people ever happy? This is a this mm-hmm. is, you know. Um but then, like later, we get uh 
we we see and again i don't remember the i don't remember the order it goes in but it's definitely not chronological but we eventually see the first time they met and it's really sweet you know it's where they're they were playing tennis mm-hmm. and uh, his 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 best friend i assume it's his best friend maybe a good friend anyway mm-hmm. uh let's see his best friend was uh rob played by tony roberts and uh rob is always calling him max and actually uh, at first I, in fact i think that's the first thing we hear is is you know that's the first time that we hear her name is Rob is calling him Max so then mm-hmm. we maybe assume that's his name, and then we we realize this is just sort of an ongoing thing where Rob calls him Max because he thinks it's a good name for him and he constantly tells him you know that I'm not Max but you know whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, they're they're playing tennis. Uh, Rob is seemed to, he seems to have set something up maybe like a double date or something, right. possibly a blind date. Although it's not presented as a date, it might just be Rob is just you know maybe he's Coincidental. dating this girl and then you know she's got a friend Annie Hall. Alby's there, and then after the so even though they officially met playing tennis, I kind of consider like the the official meeting for them was after the tennis match where you know uh, Alby's you know he's cleaned up he's in his street clothes packing up Annie Hall she's in her street clothes and her very sort of iconic Annie Hall outfit where she's more or less dressed in a men's clothes with a vest and a tie mm-hmm. and you know a dress shirt I think she's wearing a a hat maybe some you know slacks of some sort and then we get that you know just that really sweet scene of alvy and annie hall kind of truly having their first sort of uh conversation together mm-hmm. um what do you think about well it's to say i so like when i see that scene for me I, I love that scene it's funny and it's touching and i love seeing annie and and alvy kind of a uh, kind of you know you see you know, seeing the, the the seedlings that will what will eventually become their mm-hmm. love affair uh, did you have any thoughts on that particular scene? It was cute. Yeah, it was cute because that's. I mean, that's how relationships do start. They yeah. can be something simple and. And I also, again, uh, I feel like I, I might be repeating myself, but there's that there is a certain juxtaposition where the first time we see them, the relationship it might be almost over because they're bickering, mm-hmm. and then and then we get to see that really sweet scene of you know, with them meeting. In, in terms of uh, scenes throughout the movie. Uh, any any anyone that maybe stands out a little bit that you want to talk about? Yeah, one of my favorite scenes was actually when Annie meets Alvy. Uh-huh. They're back at uh, Annie's place, I believe it is, and she offers him a glass of wine. And they're both, I don't know if they're on the roof or on the porch or something. They're outside, and they're yeah. drinking their wine. And they're having a conversation about <laughs> yes, I don't even remember what it was about anymore. It may have been a painting. I think they were talking about the photographs on her Photo- wall because she takes on. she takes pictures. She's not she's not a professional, but she likes taking pictures. And as they're as they're having this pointless conversation, this small talk about the photographs, there's subtitles that come across the screen. <laughs> yes. that show what they're really thinking. Yeah, and, that's great, and that that's that, because and, we we do that every day in real life, mm-hmm. and we have these internal thoughts, but we're having this pointless autopilot conversation yeah and you know it's, it's things like you know like he's he's worried that he's you know sounding pretentious or maybe talking over her head and really thinking that he wants to see her naked and things like that and she doesn't think she's smart enough exactly for that, yeah. yeah and so yeah and that's and that's 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 it's it's one of the more famous scenes from the movie i mean i'm speaking on behalf of everybody who's ever seen it but mm-hmm. <laughs> you've 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 definitely picked a scene that uh that's kind of a standout and it's sort of a I think one of the more uh, iconic scenes from that movie, and and it's just a great scene. One thing that's worth mentioning too. That's why this is movie time with Nathaniel. Yeah, look yeah. at you. You're you're doing great already. Thanks. 
Because I've been waiting for like an episode and a half for you to do great. So well, it's bound to happen. Finally, <laughs> uh, but yeah, one of the one of the great things with Annie Hall is, I, I, I you know probably depending on who you talk to and depending on who's writing about it, uh, Annie Hall, you know, you could sort of make the argument was the first. Well, I don't want to say it, it wasn't. It wasn't like it wasn't the first romantic comedy. I don't think probably not. But in terms of sort of, I think the genre of romantic comedies and what we sort of, you know, understand to be romantic comedies. I think in, in, in a lot of ways you could make the argument that Annie Hall kind of set, you know, set that genre in motion. Certainly before Annie Hall, there were movies that were comedies that were based around a romantic relationship with the two main characters. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you think about movies like, you know, 500 Days of Summer or, you know, When Harry Met Sally or... I haven't seen that one. That's a good one. I think that's a, that's a Rob Reiner film. Mm. Um, all of a sudden, I'm drawing a blank on romantic <clears throat> comedies. Basically, anything starring Julia Roberts or Jennifer Aniston uh, or uh, Sa- uh, Sandra Bullock. You know, how to uh, lose a guy in ten days. That was like a romantic. Yeah, comedy, oh, certainly, you know? certainly it was. Certainly know. it was. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that was the first one to pop into my mind. <laughs> you're clearly. A I'm fan. thinking. I'm thinking the wedding singer. Oh sure, sure, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a great one. That's the one. That comes to mind when yeah. I think romantic comedy. Yeah, I love The Wedding Singer. Um, something else that's... But anyway, well, let me go back to my first point if I can remember what I was saying. And by the way, that wasn't your fault. I just forgot what I was saying. Um, but, but you know, Annie Hall, I think part of its significance in, in film history is that it, it, it kind of, you know, again, it's this isn't a fact. This is sort of me um, speaking on behalf of people who might have the same opinion could make the argument that it was the first really big successful romantic comedy that kind of set set the trail for romantic comedies that would that would sort of come out you know decades later. Um, something else that's uh, interesting about Annie Hall is it represents uh, something of an anomaly in terms of the Academy Awards because Annie Hall uh, it won well it won four Academy Awards including Best Picture at the nineteen seventy eight Academy Awards. But it's it's extremely rare that a comedy wins Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Best Picture? Best Picture, yeah. Comedy. Yeah. Annie Hall. Yeah. Usually, uh, sometimes it's not crazy to see a comedy nominated. And if a, if a comedy is going to be nominated, it's almost always going to be a romantic comedy of some sort. Uh, let's see, movies that come to mind are... You could like like Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. You could probably sort of consider that something of a romantic comedy, even though it, it it's not like traditional. But you know, you can make the argument that it's a romantic comedy. If it's there's cert- romance and there's comedy, and it's certainly not a serious drama. It's not the sort right. of like serious drama that you tend to think about with the Academy Awards. Um, as good as it gets, is is a romantic comedy that mm-hmm. was uh, nominated. It might have actually won. Come to think of it. Um. But again, the fact that I can only think of two, you know, kind of kind of helps make the point that that it doesn't happen a lot. So Annie Hall, or it could say a lot about your knowledge of the Oscars. <laughs> no, I have fairly, I have a fairly good knowledge of of the Academy Awards. All Don't right. test me right this second, well, but I have pretty good knowledge of it. And uh, I mean, you 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 might actually know that uh, Chanel and I did an Academy Awards episode. What? Yeah, it's like episode. Uh, how could I not know that? Episode uh, four? <laughs> no. Five? Nope. One of those? I think it was somewhere in the area of episode seven. Seven. 
I don't know. Yeah, Who I think, knows? I think it was seven. It was early on. It was before episode 10, I remember that. Yeah, definitely before episode But 10. anyway, point being, I love the Oscars so much that I dedicated a whole episode to it. That said, um, Annie Hall kind of represents something of, of an anomaly that, you know, romantic comedies, comedies in general, they don't get a lot of attention at the Oscars, let alone win. So that's that was that was kind of a big deal, I think, when uh, when when Annie Hall uh, Annie Hall won. Well, this means you love me more than the Oscars, because this is my second episode. You've only that's done true. one. That's true. I've only done one Oscar episode, and I've done. That means a lot. Not only not only this is this your second movie time. This is your third time on the podcast. Wow crazy right I feel bad for the oscars you're the only other than chanel nobody's been on this show three times when are you gonna love me more than chanel mm. i don't i don't know i don't i don't who knows who knows kid just that's keep, the right answer keep playing your cards right yeah we'll see what happens uh now let me ask you this nathaniel are you curious about uh the the other film nominated the year Annie Hall won the Academy Award. Am I curious? Yeah. Please tell me what films were nominated. That's a good answer, because here's what was going to happen. I was going to tell you anyway. Mm-hmm. But if, 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 I if, thought if, I'd play it safe. Yeah. That was a good bet. Mm-hmm. Actually, it could have gone the complete opposite way, because you could have said, I'm not interested. And I could have said, oh, thank goodness, because I have no idea. I happen to have an idea, so, so thankfully you're interested. So in 1978, and again, the 1978 Academy Award, it represents movies that came out in 1977, so for whatever that's worth. Right. So uh, at the time, there was five nominees. Now, in 2014, I think in the, in the last four or five years, I forget when they started it, now the Academy Awards, they nominate nine films for that's Best a Picture. It's a lot of movies. Well, but in there large, are a lot of movies that come out. In large part, really what they're doing is... They nominate nine, but I think four of those nominations, it's just sort of like an honorable mention. Right. It's like, you're not going to win, but we want to we wanna kind of give you some credit. Like, that, that's where now you might likely see a romantic comedy. It's like, you're not going to win, but we're going to give you a nod that way because Thanks we think you're good. Yeah. yeah. But then there's always going to be like maybe five movies in there. Like, if this was back in the day, these would be the five movies that actually got nominated. But then here's four on top because... Yeah, we want to bring attention to you because we think we think you did a very nice job. But in 1978, they were still doing five movies, so we already know Annie Hall was nominated because it won. Yeah. So then the other four movies, uh, the first was The Goodbye Girl. You know that one? Never heard of it. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. I know Richard Dreyfuss is in it. Yeah, Richard Dreyfuss he won Best Actor that year for The Goodbye Girl. I happen to know that. Cool. Actually, I also think, if I'm not mistaken, not that this episode is not about The Goodbye Girl. I think that was Richard Dreyfuss's first movie role, I think. I think he might have actually won the Academy Award with his first movie. He may have. If you believe. He, he may not that. have. And then, uh, and then from there, he would go on to have a very nice career, including Jaws. Jaws came out after The Goodbye Girl. Mm, good for the him. The second movie nominated in 1978 was Julia. You ever heard of that one? Uh, no. Me I neither. No. I couldn't even tell you what it's about. Hmm. Uh, the third movie nominated was The Turning Point. You know about that one? The Turning Point. No. Me neither. I've never heard of that one either. And then the fourth movie nominated was Star Wars. You know that one? Star what? Star Star Wars. Rings a bell. What was it, what was it about? Science fiction, sort of a sort of a, a science fiction space opera, if you will. Probably not. Sort of a young farm boy named Luke Skywalker. Oh. Joins the rebellion in a fight against the the, the horrible evil empire led by Darth Vader. 
That's what the movie was about? Yes. Star Wars? Star Wars. Basically, it's a war. It just had the coolest credits in the beginning. A, That's all I remember. It has great credits. It has the opening, uh, I guess you could call it a prologue if you wanted to. Prologue. I, 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 don't, I don't know if they consider it a prologue. Yeah, but it well, is. You have to read it. You do have that to read really, it. it. As a kid watching Star Wars, it was really hard to keep up with the with the words. Because <laughs> you, you probably just learned how to read. You're not a speed reader at that point. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember this. I took you to watch episode one in the theater. I remember you, seeing do you episode have a one of that? in the theater. I don't remember you taking me. Not only did I take you, I remember the theater. Do you remember the theater? It was probably Ontario Mills. It was at the Ontario Mills. It was the Edwards... Uh, how many theaters are in? How many well, I think it's in? 22. The Edwards 22 at the Ontario Mills. Um, I had already seen episode one, so I already had the, I already had the, 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 the misfortune of being disappointed by it. So you went twice? Well, yeah, because my mother, your grandmother, asked if, uh, if I wouldn't mind taking my nephew, you, to see episode one. So that episode one was... I'm so sorry. Two thousand, was it 2000, uh, was it, was it, let me think, maybe like 1999? Do you remember the year? I don't remember the year. I was probably pretty young. I, I would say roughly around 2000. Because I like enjoyed that. the Star Wars episode one. And you would, because I think... There's that generation gap. I, yeah, I think there's yeah. a generation gap. I, and, and, you know, there's... Yeah, I can see. I, I was disappointed. But I'm glad you liked it. I, I was actually hoping to like it more the second time when I took you. And um, I was also really sleepy, so I remember kind of falling asleep. But as long as you were enjoying it, I was happy. Yeah. So that said... In 1978, Star Wars, not only was it nominated for an Academy Award, it lost to Annie to Hall. Annie to Hall. Annie Hall. Uh, it's kind of interesting to think about Annie Hall and Star Wars being in the same, because, uh, you, know, yeah. you know, and that's nice. I would like, I, I wish the Academy Awards would do more of that, romantic comedy, sci-fi, yeah. throw drama in there. But anyway, that's it. We'll, we'll save that conversation for another Oscar episode. Um, let's talk briefly about, uh, the cast of Annie Hall. So long as, as long as we're at this point, I realize that we haven't talked much about the cast. Mm-hmm. So we, we've talked about, uh, the lead, the lead character, Albie Singer, who was played by Woody Allen, who wrote and directed, uh, Annie Hall, as we, we kind of mentioned yeah. the title character, Annie Hall mentioned earlier, played by the delightful Diane Keaton. Uh, do you, do you really know, do you know much about Diane Keaton? I know the name. I recognize her. Okay. I can't think of any... Yeah, uh, the movies that she's been in. Like I'm, like I'm. You've probably seen her and stuff, but because she's like older now, you might not realize that you've seen her. But you know, you, right. you've probably seen her around. Uh, in terms of her role as Annie Hall, how do you feel about Diane Keaton and her and her performance? It was fine. Fine. It was fine. That's fine. good. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I wasn't fishing. I, I was just curious. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know. Not, not the most attractive lead role for me uh-huh. personally like you're talking about like you know her like her her, her aesthetically speaking aesthetically, you, you didn't find her attractive physically because that's what hollywood's all about oh sure it's, yeah it doesn't care doesn't matter Certainly. Her personality. yeah but she did have a bubbly personality and it's yeah. like okay i understand why alvi liked her yeah they loved her and that's actually a good point because they're they're very different in that way because he's mm-hmm. very uh, he's very neurotic he's sort of he, he He's obsessed with, you know, like death and dying. And Annie Hall, she's very fun and bubbly and light. And maybe in a lot of ways that was that was maybe part of what attracted Alvy to her is that mm-hmm. she was sort of the antithesis of sort of, you know, uh how he saw the world. In fact, there's that uh that really great scene that uh well again, I say great because I loved it. I have no idea how you feel about it, Nathaniel. Well, which scene? It was a really great scene when they're when they're in the bookstore. And I think she's got like a cat book that she's looking at, and so he's picking up these books about 
uh, about death that he oh, wants. Oh yeah, these books about death that he wants her to read. That resonated with me. Hey, I, I'm gonna buy you these books. I think because I, I think you should read them. You know, instead of that cat book. That's uh, that's pretty serious stuff there. Yeah, because I'm uh, you know I'm I'm obsessed with uh, with death. I think big yeah. big subject with me. Yeah. yeah, I have a very pessimistic view of life. You should know this about me if we're going to go out. You know, I I feel that life is is divided up into the horrible and the miserable. Mm -hmm. Those are the two categories. You know, mm -hmm. the uh, the horrible would be like. Um, I don't know, terminal cases, you know, and blind people, yeah. cripples. I don't know how they get through life. It's amazing to me. You know, and the miserable is everyone else. That's, that's so, so when you go through life, you should be thankful that you're miserable because that's, you're very lucky to, to be miserable. So, yeah, so then from there, we kind of, well, not even just from there, cause actually even in the beginning of the movie, like when, when they're at the movie theater and they want to watch something else because he missed the Ingmar Bergman, I think it was an Ingmar Bergman movie. They missed the beginning, so he can't watch it. To the movie that uh, that he decides that the, he wants to go watch, and and we 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 understand from the dialogue that they've watched it more than once. Mm -hmm. uh, do you remember the title of the movie, by the way? I do not. The sorrow and the pity. So it's I guess it's like this documentary about uh, I think maybe like the Holocaust or something of that nature, mm -hmm. but basically a very sort of dreary, dark documentary. And and then there's a scene following that where you know we see Alvy and Annie Hall in bed, and and uh, they're talking about the movie a little bit. They've seen it before. And she says, you know, how the movie makes her makes her feel bad or makes her feel guilty or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, yeah, you know, that's what it's supposed to do. And mm -hmm. it's a very simple exchange of lines, but it tells us a lot about these two characters. For her, you know, engaging in anything that makes her feel bad isn't very appealing. For him, it's almost like, yeah, you, we need to... Feeling bad is, is a part of life, and I think that's part of what we get out of that scene. And you begin to understand why the relationship didn't work out at the end of the day we kind of get that too yeah because because part of part of what makes that funny the, the scene in the bookstore funny is you know he's explaining to her you know how uh how everybody in life is split up into, into two groups you know the horrible and the miserable and, and that you know and that you know if you're lucky you're you know you your life is miserable mm -hmm. <laughs> um so yeah so diane keaton uh let's see some some other notable cast members uh let's see oh actually you know what? uh christopher walken has Christopher a, Walken he was has, not in that movie. He, Christopher Walken was in the movie. He's much younger, so you you wouldn't recognize him. Probably well, you, you was didn't. he ever young? He he was he was young in Annie Hall. What? He also I don't I haven't seen the Deer Hunter. Have you Have you heard of the Deer Hunter? I have never heard of it. Is it uh, a video game? <laughs> <laughs> I think there actually is an app where you can hunt deer. I think so. Stone Cold Steve Austin always promotes it on his podcast. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Um, it's like Deer Hunter 2000. I don't know. I don't know. It's called. I've, never I've, played I've heard it. of the app. Yeah. But no, Deer Hunter, it, it's a movie. I've never seen it. That, that, that'll be one of the movies that maybe we watch for a future episode that neither one of us has seen. Okay. Um, I know it was Oscar nominated. It might have won the award. I'm not certain. But Christopher Walken was, he was in the Deer Hunter and he did win the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his role in the Deer Hunter. I happen to know that. What I don't know if that was before or after Annie Hall. I kind of want to say it was before, but but I don't know that to a certainty. Right. Either way, there was a time when Christopher Walken was 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 younger than he was is young. now. That's kind of how life works generally. But yeah, to answer your question, there was a time. That's um, cool. uh, let's see. Shelley Duvall uh, was in it, you know, briefly. Uh, she had you know one or two scenes. Now Shelley Duvall. Uh, for me, when I think of Shelley Duvall, I think of Olive Oil because she played Olive Oil in, in Popeye, the nineteen eighty movie, nineteen eighty 
uh, film adaptation of, uh, of of Popeye, starring Robin Williams, who you just learned played Popeye in the Popeye movie. Yeah. Have you seen Popeye? I have not. Okay, seen so you Popeye. haven't seen it. So, but um, okay, I was gonna. Have you seen the poster or anything? At no. any rate, no. you, you don't know it's Robin Williams. Doesn't look like him. I mean, they did a pretty good job of uh, of making him not look like Robin Williams. That's cool. Um, incidentally, not that that would not that that's what this episode is about. Uh, but incidentally, as we record this episode, we're about uh, we're about a week and a half removed from uh, the from the passing of Robin Williams. So uh, has it been that long already? It's been about a week and a half, wow. and yeah, and it's uh, it was devastating. And we'll it, it's a conversation that uh, that we'll definitely have. What we're gonna do in the in the in the, in the near future when we do another episode of Movie Time, like we'll we'll specifically pick a Robin Williams movie that we can watch, and it'll also give us an opportunity to reflect on his career and you know uh, how great he was and how much. Uh, Certainly, how much I loved him, and I'm sure I imagine you also had your own appreciation for for Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that said, not to digress too much, Shelley Duvall. I think of her as a uh, you know olive oil. Every time I see her, that's all I could think of is, is olive oil. So even in Annie Hall, when we see her uh, in bed with Woody Allen, and they have the scene where she's apologizing she that it would look like olive oil. Yeah, right. She's like super it. skinny, right? Yeah. And she's apologizing to to Alvy Singer because it took her so long to uh, to finish while they were having sex. And then we see Woody Allen uh, adjusting his jaw and telling her that, uh, you know, he's almost got the feeling back in his jaw, <laughs> which, um, what do you suppose that implies? I have no idea. What, what what do you think was happening there? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Well. No? Maybe. All right. Maybe some canologous. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I imagine. Something canologous? Yeah. Yeah, uh, some of that with a lockjaw. Sure, and everything. Some of that or canalingus, either or. Um, Canalingus. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you say it. I like it too. Uh, it's the only way I've ever known. No one's ever said it out loud in yeah, front of me. Yeah, canalingus. 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 Yeah. Am I saying fellatio correctly? Sure. Or is it fellatio? Fellatio. Yeah. Fellatio. Fellatio. Uh, uh, you know, you are a cunning linguist. I didn't make that up. I, you know, I've heard that on oh. radio before. But oh. uh, yeah, it's, it's when people want to, you know, when you want to sound clever and you can say, "I'm a cunning linguist." Cunning linguist. Yeah. Mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> Canologist. It's, and, it's never going to be. And a, and a master debater. <laughs> you can do that too. I, I didn't make up either of those. I'm just sharing. Thanks. I'm just sharing with you. But anyway, probably won't ever um, use them. But yeah, so there was some uh, some some, some kind of lingus happening with the uh, Albie singer and Olive Oil. Her name is Pam, but you know, it doesn't matter what her name is. Uh, but when I see her, so when I see her talking about, you know, uh, apologizing for taking so long while uh, Alvy was going down on her, I'm like, holy shit, I had no idea that, you know, olive oil likes to be, you know, taken care of in that manner. Yeah. I never now, saw I never saw that in the cartoons. You knew, and you know now. Now I know. She was also in The Shining. Have you seen The Shining? I did see The Shining. So she was the wife in The Shining. Even when I watch The Shining, it's hard for me... I mean, I, I mean, I can eventually say, like in The Shining, because it's such a, it's 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 a great movie, and uh, you know, every, everything about the movie is pretty wonderful, including her performance. Eventually, she becomes that character, but every time I see her, the first thing for me is always olive oil, hmm. but not you, because no. you've not seen Popeye. Um, let's see. Oh, Paul Simon, he's in the movie. 
No. You would know. Yeah, Paul Simon. No. He played a character named Tony Lacey. He was the he was the record producer that was that was clearly in love with Annie Hall. And oh, that's Paul Simon. That was Paul Simon. Yeah, he's done. Uh, he's done a fair amount of acting, um, and he and he's good because he's you know he he's not it's not like he's you know he's not going to give you some like crazy you know uh, Al Pacino performance, but he you know he's very good. He's uh right. The only other movie that I can think of off the top of my head. He's in uh, Spinal Tap. Have you seen Spinal Tap? I have not. That's a good one. Maybe we'll add it to the list. Maybe. And um, but he's really great in Spinal Tap. Really funny. Uh, I also think he's funny in Annie Hall. Like his character is pretty subdued. Um, mm-hmm. but he's 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 very funny. He's in terms of uh his his uh, his pitch. I guess you know his tone. I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 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 really good. And but I mean you you know Paul Simon as a singer songwriter I'm yeah. guessing yeah yeah but yeah he's done a little bit of acting including you know this role in uh, in Annie Hall um now Woody Allen uh, you this isn't you've seen Woody Allen movies before but probably not a lot How, which Woody Allen movies have you seen that you know of the only one that comes to mind would be Midnight in Paris oh good good which good. I loved. I love that one too. Loves I think in Paris. I might have taken you to see that. You did. I, I think it was you it was and me in Pasadena and... at the independent movie. I think uh, theater. We didn't see it in Claremont. I think we no. saw it at the Lemleys in. It was Lemleys in Pasadena. Pasadena. I believe you. All right. We were in Pasadena because I don't think I've been to the Lemleys in Claremont. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So we went to the Lemleys. And uh, I didn't want to go to the movie. I, why would I want to see a movie that I hadn't heard of <laughs> at that point? And exactly. Loved it. I'm I'm glad to hear that that you because it's 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 a delightful movie and yeah you know, for for me even though it's it it always feels weird to consider like a recent movie as one of his best but for me you know if if I had to pick a handful of Woody Allen movies Midnight in Paris would definitely be you know on on my short list I really love that one it's and delightful doesn't Woody Allen usually star in his movies when did that stop well Woody yeah if you look at Woody Allen's uh, filmography. I think he probably stars in the great majority of his movies. And when you watch enough of his movies, one of the things that you find is that if he's not starring in his movie, whoever the male lead is, is essentially playing the Woody Allen role. And in some cases, you'll even see them doing some sort of a, if not, not, not exactly a Woody Allen impersonation, mm-hmm. but they're definitely adopting Woody Allen sort of mannerisms, maybe patterns of speech. And making them part of their character. Ah. So in Midnight in Paris, which starred Owen Wilson, he was playing the Woody Allen role. So if you go back and watch Midnight in Paris with Woody Allen in mind, you'll see Owen Wilson sort of doing essentially, I, again, I wouldn't call it an impersonation, but you can definitely see him embodying a lot of the the man, mannerisms and quirks and speaking patterns of Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty common thing that he, that you see. Um, who, who else has done that, uh, that comes to mind? Oh, fuck me. I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. I can't think of it either. One of my very favorite Woody Allen movies is Bullets Over Broadway. And so in that one, John Cusack would be in sort of the, the Woody Allen role. So again, you kind of see, see that. that. Yeah. And, uh, and even if they're not quite doing a Woody Allen impersonation per se, generally the male lead is usually, they're usually sort of, you know, uh, neurotic and nebbishy and maybe somewhat, you know, uh, unsure of themselves in some form or fashion. Right. Now, now, uh, my relationship with, uh, Woody Allen movies and, and Woody Allen in general, uh, for me, it started when I was 
relatively young. I was, I don't even, I don't know if I've ever actually told you this story. Well, not that it, it's not much of a story, but you know, well, let's I'll, I'll turn it into a story. All right. So I was about, I would say I was about 13 years old and I went to have a, a sleepover with, uh, with, with my big brother, your uncle Greg. I just call him Greg, but he's your uncle Greg. Mm-hmm. And so I was about 13, about the age you were when you were 13. When I was 13? When you were 13, you were about 13. Cool. So I was about 13 or so at this time, 13 or 14. I might have been slightly younger, but I was about this age. Now, it's wor- It's probably worth mentioning before I get too far into this story that from the, t- from the time I was very, very young, I loved going to the movies. Uh, anytime, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, my parents, your grandparents, when they took me to the movies, it, it was just, for me, it was always a, an extremely special occasion. And luckily we got to go a lot because there was a lot of discount. They don't do it anymore. But when I was a kid, every theater had like one night out of the week where you could see a movie at a discount. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, uh, so your grandmother, she was really great at, you know, knowing which movies had, you know, discounted nights. So like maybe we could go like on a you know Tuesday Thursday maybe a Wednesday to different theaters and we'd go to the mm-hmm. movies all the time it was wonderful, and I loved going to comedies, and so, but whenever 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 I would watch a mainstream comedy especially as a kid, um, I almost never laughed out loud, but I never took that as I don't find this funny like I could watch sort of a mainstream you know comedy as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I could understand, like, oh, that was a funny thing that they showed me. Right. And in my mind, when people laughed, we were laughing to acknowledge, like, oh, that was a funny scene. <laughs> it's a social laughter. But it wasn't like it wasn't like drawing laughter out of me. So I just come to accept, oh, yeah, that's what happens in the movies. You don't laugh out loud because you just, and um, and so so that said, I was about thirteen or so uh, at the time. Uncle Greg he lived in uh, Huntington Harbor, so kind of you know. By you know, you know, by the water, and uh, I remember it was late. Uh, probably, I'm sure it, was, it might have been close to midnight. It was basically if I was at home, it would have been bedtime. So part of the fun of sort of being able to stay with Uncle Greg was we can just sort of like stay up and you know just kind of like hang out. Right. And so he, I don't even think he told me what he was putting on, uh, but he put on a Woody Allen record because Woody Allen, he you know he started out as a stand-up comedian, similar to Alvy Singer. Woody Allen was a stand-up comedian in like the mid, mid, mid to late 60s, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit earlier than that. Like 64, I would say, was, you know, he was, uh, he did his uh, uh, a live stand-up comedy album. So Uncle Ray, he put on this album for me. I don't even know if he told me it was Woody Allen. I think he just put on this this, this Woody Allen album. And uh, and again, you know, say I'm, thir- I'm 13 years old. I'm listening to a stand-up comedy album that was basically, you know, at that point, probably 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a from a man who I really didn't know much about, and I just thought it was the best thing I ever heard, and I was I was I was laughing out loud. My I think my belly was hurting, and I remember thinking to myself like, like "Yeah, like this is it. Like that's this is that's what funny is. That's what funny sounds like to mm-hmm. me. Like and and there's nothing I've seen in the movies that sounds like this or has these ideas or has this sensibility." And, and I, and, and, you know, I don't know exactly what it was. And, and, you know, I don't even think like when you, when you fall in love with, with, uh, with an artist of any sort, I don't think there's any reason to, to really try to dissect what it is. All I know, just enjoy it. when I heard, heard Woody Allen, it was like, it's as if I had found the voice I'd been looking for all 13 years of my life up to that point. And, um, 
And so for years after that, I became just very much obsessed with, with Woody Allen because I think I knew his name and I understood he was involved in the movies somehow, but I didn't really know much else. Mm-hmm. So not long after that, I wanted to start watching his movies. So I'd go to the video store. Those don't really exist anymore, but once upon a time, mm-hmm. we had video stores. I'd go to the video store and I would just search out Woody Allen movies and I would just find a Woody Allen movie and I would rent it. I didn't care what the titles were because I didn't know what the titles were. I would just rent it, take it home, and then watch. And I, and I did that for just years and years and watched. Um, I've watched, I can't even say that I've watched most of his movies because he has so many movies. He has like 50 movies. That's a lot of movies. Since he made uh, his his first movie and, oh, fuck, what was his his very first movie? You were uh, telling me earlier. Yeah. I know you know it. I, I, I do. I'm going to cheat really quickly. I'm going to check uh, Internet Movie Database really quickly. Um, well, his first, well, his first credited movie as a director is What's Up, Tiger Lily? But I think in terms of the canon of Woody, because I think he, as far as I know, he might have sort of co-directed that. But the first movie that was like completely his, and I think it's the movie that people think about is his first movie. It was called Take the Money and Run. It was a, you know, it's a comedy, which kind of goes without saying because he was a comedian. Mm-hmm. And with Take the Money and Run, uh, he'd never... Well, obviously, he'd never made a movie before, but he didn't He didn't actually even really know how to be a filmmaker. So one thing that he did is, um, I think the night before he started filming, or not, not the night before, but, you know, not long before he started filming, I think he literally got a book that was essentially, like, how to direct a movie. <laughs> and he was just, like, reading this book to figure out, you know, how to direct a movie. And over the years, you know, he's he's learned how to be a director by, by making movies. Now, uh... Uh, Take the Money and Run, that was 1969. And since 1969, Woody Allen has made one movie every year. Every year? Every year. What came out last year? Uh, I'll tell you. In uh, 2014, well, actually this... That's well, this year, yeah. So this year, he's got a movie coming out called Magic in the Moonlight. 2013, he did a Blue Jasmine. Oh, okay. Blue Jasmine actually won an Academy Award. Cape uh, Blanchett won for Best Actress. One thing Woody Allen is sort of known for is uh, his his female characters, and it's and it's not just the characters themselves, but the actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's something that he specifically does. I don't know if the, what I don't know what magic is in the water, but his he gets really brilliant performances out of his female actors, huh. uh, and 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 they've won a lot of Academy Awards, including you know, Diane Keaton won Academy Award for Annie Hall. The winner is. Diane Keaton and Annie Hall. Naturally, (laughs) I'm very honored to have been nominated with actresses like Jane Fonda and Shirley MacLaine and Anne Bancroft and Marsha Mason. This is um, something. Anyway, Annie Hall was a a wonderful experience for me, and I, um, I just would like to say thanks to Woody and thank you. Thank you very much. Um. Penelope Cruz won a Best Supporting Actress for uh, Chris. Uh, what was it called? Uh, 
I'm drawing a blank. Vicky Cristina Barcelona, really wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Blanchett, again, you know, she won for uh, uh, Blue Jasmine. Uh, I'm going to look through his list. Cause I know there's been others. Um, right. Uh, Hannah and her sisters. I know I forget the actress's name, so I'm a total asshole right now. But uh, multiple, you know, uh, actresses have won Academy Awards for Woody Allen movies. So, so it's sort of it, it, it can't be completely an action. So it's it's sort of something that I don't want to say it's something that he's known for, but I think it is something that's sort of understood that you know his female characters are interesting and complex, and the actresses who you know act in them, you know, they generate. They generally kind of do well for themselves. Yeah, and I noticed that in Annie Hall, Diane Keaton was a really dynamic character. Yeah. Because uh, there was a point in the movie where uh, Woody Allen, Alvy, mm-hmm. he was he wasn't satisfied with her intelligence level, so right. it seemed, because he was uh, encouraging her to start taking classes, going yeah. to school. Going to college. Going to college. She didn't want to, mm-hmm. but eventually she does it to, to please him. Yeah. And eventually that turns into spiting him. Right and by I don't know what was going on with the professor that was yeah implied. yeah there was there was a strong yeah we don't know for sure and again you know on the one hand we see the movie from Alvy's point of view so as far as he's concerned she was definitely cheating on him with with her professor but she might have been she might have been yeah well you're a professor <laughs> <laughs> I am a college professor does that does that happen <laughs> uh, I off the record uh, off the, we're we're on air right now I'm happy to say on the record. That uh, nothing has ever happened between me and any of my uh, any of my college students. Oh, you could um, get fired for that, huh? Uh, if honest, you, if actually, you said that on the record, if you admitted to it on the record, yeah. To be honest with you, as far as I understand, I don't think. Well, you as long can. as they're not in your class anymore, like yeah. As far as I, I yeah, because I mean, like I know that it, I know that it has happened. I know that it does happen. I don't think they encourage it. I probably know professors who 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 have had relationships with their students. Uh, if any of those professors happen to be listening, I won't mention your name, so don't worry about that. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's something that happened. So as far as you know, uh, Annie Hall goes, it wouldn't be crazy. Plus, you know, she's, um, you know, she's a you know, uh, Alvy Singer. He's forty, so mm-hmm. Annie Hall, she might be. I don't know if she, I don't know if her character's forty, but you know, maybe she's close enough. Basically, a, an older adult college student, right? Um, but also in terms of you know, uh, Diane Keaton's performance. You know, early on, we you know Annie Hall. She's sweet, bubbly. She's got a certain you know uh, naivete about her, but it's sort of charming. Mm-hmm. And then when we see her in that in her last scene, she just knows Alfie, who she is at that. Point. She's a lot more confident about herself. She's a lot more. Uh, I'm gonna say confident again, but <laughs> she she's very confident. She's less. She's almost less bubbly, but she's still she's no. I don't think I, I wouldn't call her less charming, but there's a certain. There's a certain, she found her sense of identity. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And so in that way, you definitely see an arc in her character, and that is completely attributed to Diane Keaton. Like, she mm-hmm. like she did that. And uh, one thing about Woody Allen is he he doesn't like to talk a lot when he's, when he's directing. And so, amongst other things, he doesn't give his actors a lot of direction. Actually, um... He gives his actors the least amount of direction as he can. Like he just mm-hmm. wants, like he'll show up and sets up whatever, sets up the shot, sets up the scene, and then you know, when he hires an actor for a role, he's hiring them both because they're a good actor, also because he thinks that they're right for the role. Right. But then also he figures once they start filming the movie, now it's time for them to do their job. He doesn't want to tell them anything. I've hired you because you can do this job. 
So that said, uh, when you see a great performance like this with uh, Diane Keaton and you see her uh, creating the, the arc of this character, Annie Hall, you have to figure that there's probably a whole great deal of that performance that was maybe coming just straight from Diane Keaton, if, in fact, this was another example of Woody Allen, you know, giving uh, a minimal minimal feedback. Right. Um, well, maybe that's why he sets up his actresses for success. And that's that what, might be true, right? Just hire somebody talented and get out of their way. Because actually something else about Woody Allen that you, you might not know, uh, he's a great writer. Of course, he's written just, you know, dozens and dozens of screenplays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Annie Hall won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. That was one of the four Academy Awards it won. Uh, he also won for Best Director. It's worth noting, so long as mm-hmm. we're talking about it. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier he won uh, the screenplay, Best Original Screenplay for Midnight in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he might have won others, but even if he hasn't won others, he's been nominated often, and very often he is nominated more for his writing probably than than anything else. Right. Um, and so even though he he writes these great screenplays... When it comes time to film his movies, he he doesn't. I don't want to say that he doesn't care about the dialogue, but he'll basically tell the actors just just fucking do it. Uh, don't worry about memorizing the lines. As long as you know what the scene's about, just do mm-hmm. the scene. If you've memorized the line, yeah, you know, go for it. If you want to say something else, don't worry about it. Just say whatever. Say whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. And so he's 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 a he's a writer and a director, but he, you know he's a writer who's not. He's not attached to his words. Flexible. Yeah, I think you. Know, I, I'm certainly. I'm sure he's attached to the story. There's a story that he wants to tell, mm-hmm. and then the scene within the story has a certain importance. But beyond that, you know, I don't think there's specific words that he gets. You know, that he's worried about. And so also, so in that way, if you're if you're an actor, now you have you have that room. You have some some leeway of you know. I know my character. I know what the scene's about. I know basically what I'm saying. And you don't have that pressure of I've got to memorize these lines because if I don't get it exactly right, the scene is is ruined. You know, he like he tells you just 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 do it. Yeah, you know, I trust you. And um and again and so and so you made that point that that's probably another reason why his actors give such great performances that it's just more just getting somebody talented and just let them be talented like yeah. don't get in their way, um, which is you know isolating Kobe Bryant. On the wing. Sure. Basketball metaphor. Yeah. Go for it. Fill it out. Keep going. Yeah. I like this. You give the ball to Kobe. Clear it out. Uh-huh. You don't call a play. You mm-hmm. just let Kobe do his do his work. Yeah. He'll score. He'll find a way to score. Because cause, because cause he's that talented. He's that talented. Phil Jackson was Woody Al- was the Woody Allen of the basketball. Look at you. Good for you. Thank you. That's nice. Thanks. That's a good contribution to this episode. I like that. Cool. And you know what? That might very well be the first time in the history of podcasts that anybody has ever compared Woody Allen to Phil Jackson. Not even the history of podcasts. Maybe. Maybe, maybe the, the, the entire history of recorded audio. So you think someone's just somewhere has compared Woody Allen to Phil Jackson? Well, I, I'm, I'm sort of keeping it to, uh, to our particular medium. But maybe in the, yeah. whole, in the whole history of the audio-visual medium of any sort... I don't think anybody's ever ever made that comparison. You might have just, you might have just uh, broken the mold on something. Does that mean broken the mold? That's the wrong the expression. You might have just, uh, you might have just. God, God damn it! There's, a, <laughs> what's the expression? Um, when when you do something first, it broke the mold. Yeah, no. broke the. That's more for when you know you're when you're, you're, you're complete you're original. Something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look at us. What assholes we've become. You've just uh, broken. You've kicked the door down. No, no, that's not it either. Whatever. 
somebody listening to this right now, you know exactly what we're trying to say. So maybe send me an email or a tweet or something. That'd be cool. But in the meantime, you've <clears throat> you've done something original. So, so you think sometime in the future, like I'll get quotes of that? I hope so. With my name attached to it? I hope so. I'll give you credit for it. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'll, I've always wanted to make a good quote. You always have. I think that's a good quote. <laughs> I've always wanted to make a good quote. Uh, straps. Quote me on that. All right. See, technically you can be quoted because now there's a, there's a record of you saying it. And now somebody could take this and then they could quote you based on, based on this. You're halfway there. Is you it just, cheating if I quote myself? You can quote yourself. It's not cheating. It's, uh, it's, you know, I think that quote could go viral. You think so? Put it on the internet? Maybe. Put it in front of the right people, like the ice bucket challenge? Oh, God. That went viral really quickly. Yeah, and hopefully it stops going viral soon. That's silly. The ice bucket challenge. So the ice bucket challenge, who knows when you're listening. If you're listening to this show, you know. Hopefully it'll die. If if you're listening to this show anytime near September of 2014, uh, then then the ice bucket challenge, you're familiar it's this sort of viral internet thing meant to bring attention to some disease or another do you know what it is als als i don't okay. know what disease that is uh maybe it's not a disease maybe i'm just totally misspeaking but it's, it's something that celebrities yeah, want to bring attention to and here's what i don't get they have the choice of donating money or pouring a bucket of ice over themselves and it seems continually they keep pouring buckets of ice over the, over themselves so I'm thinking, does that mean that they're all passing up on donating yeah, money? Essentially, they're wasting their 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 donations to water into the ground. <laughs> so, so not only are they are they wasting water, but they're also not donating money to the cause that they're bringing attention to. Anyway, it's but it's, it's trendy. It is trendy, and like my quote. Yeah. So so your quote will become the ice bucket challenge of podcast quotes, perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe we'll see. Uh, let's see, what else can we talk about in terms of, uh, of, of, of Annie Hall? Were there any other scenes, by the way, that, uh, that you, that you were particularly, uh, interested in or that you liked? Uh, there were a couple of scenes where there were split screens. Oh, sure. Yeah, the split screen scenes were interesting. Talk about it. And, uh, upon first, the first looking at the split screens and watching it, you can tell that they're two, they're independent of each other. Yeah. And there's a, it's really hard to pay attention, but there's one conversation going on one side and another on this side. Mm-hmm. And eventually they start to merge together, and it seems right. like the two screens are talking to each other. <laughs> I found that really, it was really funny. It's really cool, right? It's they kind really of sync cool, up. And, really it's just, and the one that I'm thinking of, and you might be thinking about the same one, is where uh, Alvy Singer and Annie Hall, they're at their respective family. An- analysts. Oh, you're thinking about family? Oh, I, think I was thinking family. when they were in their th- the therapy. One, yeah, that one's yeah. even better. Yeah, and so uh, and so then uh, you know Woody Allen, amongst other things, it, like visually, his therapist's office was much darker and maybe more shadows, a lot more brown furniture. Annie Hall's office was much lighter; the walls were white, the furniture was light. She's sitting up in a chair; he's laying down. So I think visually, we get a lot of cues as kind of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Definitely a contrast. That's that's a great way to say it. And of course, there's you know there's the the really great moment. Where you know Woody Allen's analyst asks him, you know, about their sex life. How often are they having sex? And he says, hardly ever, like three times a week. And then Annie Hall gets the same question. She says, oh, constantly, like three times a week. <laughs> I, I like that quote. I think in that particular scene, uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think when they built that set, they were in the same room, 
and they just designed it to look like they were <laughs> like it was a split screen, but it was just literally a set design to look like they were in a in a video split screen. That's really cool. And it also would explain how they were able to sync up their Perfectly. their lines. Now the the scene you were talking about with the, when the, with the two families, that seemed to be a more genuine split screen, which yeah. made it a little bit a lot more interesting in terms of. You know uh, how they how they kind of synced up these two families, kind of communicating each other mm-hmm. in the in these different scenes. So yeah, that, that also was also contrasting because oh yeah. yeah yeah Annie Hall's family was really quiet and kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the other hand, Woody, I'm sorry, I keep saying Woody Allen. That's all right. It's his character. It, it, but, it really is. But Alvy Alvy's family was really loud and robust, and they they were talking over each other, and you could really see the contrast until. They start to merge them together, and they don't really, it doesn't really make sense. Like, like in terms of like, because as you were talking, I'm thinking in terms of of the characters, because because you know one of the things that we get with storytelling when you see families, when you see a family like that, you I you know I always figure well, this is the writer's way of giving us some insight into these characters that yeah, this character Annie Hall came from this family, so there's something about this family that molded this character into who she was. And the same thing with Alvy Singer. There's something about this family that molded him into the character that ultimately, uh, ultimately, you know, the, we see, right. Um, with the Alvy Singer character, we could probably see that there was, there was, you know, as you mentioned, they were kind of loud and neurotic. It almost sounded like they were arguing, but I think that's just kind of like how they communicated. And you can kind of see like this character maybe coming out of that family, uh, with the Annie Hall family. I don't know. She's, she's, She's much more bubbly and delightful than her family. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Which, you know, uh, and maybe it was because they were so much the way they were that maybe she, I don't know, maybe she felt like a different person. So she right. sort of developed, you know, differently. And that happens sometimes. That was the only family value in the yeah. movie, that they didn't want to be like their family, really. Oh, that's a, that, that's a very good point. They they both sort of were sort of uh, blazing Alienated, their own trail, yeah. so to speak, as sort of, you know, becoming a, their own people. Uh, one of my... One of my very favorite scenes, and it's a short one, but it's 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 so lovely. It's uh it's the scene where uh, where Annie and Alvy are well, they're not at the Brooklyn Bridge. They're basically you see the Brooklyn Bridge in the background. It's it's nighttime, and it's the, it's the first time that Alvy and Annie, uh, it, it's it, it's the first time that they say that the that they love each other. Like, you, know, you are extremely sexy, no, unbelievably I'm sexy. Not. Yes, you are. Because you know what you are? You're you're polymorphously perverse. Well, what, do you, what does that mean? I don't know what that is. Uh, you're you're exceptional in bed because you got you get pleasure in every part of your body when oh, I touch it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the tip of your nose, and if I stroke your teeth or your kneecaps, you suddenly no. get excited. <laughs> no. You know what? You know I like you. I really, I really do like. You. Yeah, do, do you love me? That's you're, a good question. Yeah, I know you've only you know, known me a short while. But. Well, I sort of, I think that's sort of, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you love me? I mean, I, love is, is too weak a word for, yeah. I, I love you. <laughs> you know, I loathe you. I, I love you. No. With two Fs, <laughs> no. yes. I, I have to yeah. invent, yeah, of course I yeah. don't you think I do. I don't know. I, I, I love that scene for, for a couple of reasons, partly because it's, just super sweet and it's one of those scenes that for me i i i always love when a movie can make me forget that i'm watching a movie and even like a movie like this where you know you've got woody allen essentially playing a character who's essentially woody allen what we're really seeing you know you know 
he eventually becomes this guy, Albie Singer. He becomes unique enough that, you know, he becomes, you know, Albie Singer. And so it's, so for me, it's this really, really lovely scene of Albie Singer and, and Annie Hall. Like, I'm not seeing Woody Allen and Diane Keaton. I'm seeing mm-hmm. Albie Singer and Annie Hall. And they've got this beautiful backdrop of sort of like this New York. It's not quite the New York skyline, but you've got the Brooklyn Bridge in the background. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, of course, it's the first time they say that they love each other. But it's also very sweet and unique because it's sort of like in their own way. Like this is how these two characters would express, you know, right. that they love each other. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, I, you know, Woody Allen, you know, he or Alvy Singer. See, I did the same thing you did. Yeah. Uh, you know, Alvy Singer. You know, he he loves her so much that love isn't a good enough word. He has to invent new words to express his love for. Her. So I just love I just love that scene, you know, so much. It's cute. And um, uh, going back to the Academy Awards, because again, you know, Annie Hall won four Academy Awards. Woody Allen also won for Best Director. And um, uh, the the other directors nominated, if you're curious, are you curious, Nathaniel? Yeah, I'm curious. Please tell me. Good who, answer. Who are the other Good directors? answer. So, uh, so in the 1978 Academy Awards, um, the other four directors nominated, uh, it was uh, Herbert Ross for The Turning Point. You ever heard of him? Herbert Ross? Yeah. No, I have not. Me neither. Um, let's see. Fred Zinneman for Julia. You, do you know from Fred Zinneman? I wish I did. Yeah, me neither. George Lucas for Star Wars. Who? George Lucas. From Star Wars? Star Wars. We talked about it earlier. It's the, it's the space sci-fi. Space opera, farm boy, rebellion, empire, Darth Vader. Oh, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. So you George Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. He was nominated for Best Director. Best Director for lost. Star Wars. And lost. Interesting. To Woody Allen, because for, for Annie Hall. And then the fourth director was Steven Spielberg for Close Encounters of the, four, of the Third Kind. I know who Steven Spielberg is. I was about to say the fourth kind. That's not true. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That was the sequel. Steven Spielberg. Here's something worth mentioning. That's a classic Steven Spielberg movie, and I've never seen it. Well... That's so. That's movie time with Nathaniel. Weird. So for our separate list, so. we now have the Deer Hunter, and we have Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I don't need to write this down, do I? It's on audio. That's so true. If we really, if we want to come back to it, if we can't remember where our list started, we'll come back to this episode okay. and listen to it, cool. and uh, and uh, we'll we'll remind ourselves. Well, you will. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Yeah, I, yes, I will, and then you know, maybe one day, one of these days, you're going to break down and listen to this show, and then you'll, 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 you'll hear the, <laughs> you'll hear the list. <laughs> uh, as far as Diane Keaton goes, because again, Diane Keaton, she won for Best Actress for her portrayal of Annie Hall. The other actresses in 1978 that were nominated, Anne Bancroft for The Turning Point. The Turning Point that apparently that got a lot of nominations, and as yeah. far as I could tell, didn't win anything. Mm-hmm. Jane Fonda. For Julia, you've probably heard of Jane Fonda. Yes, I have. Heard like when of I was Jane growing Fonda. up, she was famous for being like a, an aerobics guru, an exercise guru. Oh, is that who Jane Fonda is? But she's also, you know, an actress. Okay. Shirley MacLaine for The Turning Point. You've probably heard the, of Shirley MacLaine. I've heard of The Turning Point now. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, one of the first things I noticed here: two actresses nominated for the same movie for Turning Point, and Van Croft and Shirley MacLaine. Generally, what happens, it's not a rule, but in terms of, like, the, the history of the Oscars, generally, if two actors are nominated for the same movie, they kind of cancel each other out. Ah. Um, one example that comes to mind, it's not the first time, but an example that comes to mind for me was the Shawshank Redemption, where Tim Robbins 
and Morgan Freeman were both nominated for for, for best actor mm. for uh, for uh, <laughs> the Shawshank Redemption. I just said it, and all of a sudden I can't remember it. <laughs> Look at me. But anyway, um, that was uh, I believe that was 1994. That was the year that Tom Hanks won for Forrest Gump. Oh, you can't um, beat Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump. Yeah, ever. You, you really can't. Um, but anyway, but they, but still, they, they, they also had great performances. They were nominated, but you know, kind of canceled each other out, I think. And then who didn't I mention? Um, Marsha Mason. Marsha Mason for the Goodbye Girl. Um, so uh, Richard Dreyfus, as we mentioned earlier, he won for that one. Incidentally, Richard Dreyfus, if I'm not mistaken, and I might be mistaken. I think he was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He may have been. I think he might have actually been in that one. So anyway, there's that. Now, in terms of the relationship between uh, Diane Keaton and Woody Allen, something that you might know is there was a time where they were romantically linked. In real life? In real life, yeah. That's always the best when that happens. Yeah, and like it was... Jim and Pam from The Office. That was a good run. Now, were they, were they in real life, were they together? For a little bit. No kidding. Yeah. That's cool. I had no idea. That's pretty awesome. That's cool. I know she's... Well, I was going to say she's married, but she's also divorced. So that's... She also has a real kid, too. He's married to one of my very favorite actresses, and I love her so much that I can't think of her name. Huh. She's uh, she's British. She was with Tom Cruise in uh, The Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. I love her dearly, and just right this second, because I've put myself on the spot, I can't think of her name. I can't either. Uh, whatever. You guys know who she is, and if not, just look it up. She's great. That's that's Jim from The Office. That's his wife in real life. Anyway, uh, Woody Allen, Diane Keaton, uh, they you know they were rom- romantically linked in real life. It was when um, so he he directed a movie called Play It Against Sam, mm-hmm. but before it was a movie, it was a play that they that they starred in, and so that's when they that's when they first met. I, I think he was directing the play of, as as I best as best as I understand it. And so she auditioned, you know, and that's kind of mm-hmm. the first time that they met. Soon thereafter, I think they moved in together. They sort of had a relationship. And I think their relationship essentially ended maybe before the run of the film was over or, or, or the, the play. But they, they became really great friends. And she would go on to make several movies with Woody Allen. In fact, she starred in eight Woody Allen movies. And in fact, before Annie Hall, she starred in three other films that he made, including Played Against Sam, the film version that was 1972. Uh, Woody Allen sci-fi comedy called Sleeper, which is 1973. That's a funny one. It's wacky. Sleeper, it's, mm-hmm. it's about... Um, let's see. If, uh, I've only seen it once, but I think Woody Allen, it's... I, I think it deals with, like... Uh, he's, like... I think... I don't know if he's cryogenically frozen. He's basically <laughs> put to sleep for, like, a long time and then wakes up in the, in the very, very distant future. Mm. And so, you know, it's, like... So, so a lot of the comedy comes from seeing a lot of the technological advances that you know that he has to adjust to, including I don't know if this was the name of it, but there's there was the orgasm machine. Oh but, wow! Uh, so there's a scene I think with the Woody Allen and the orgasm machine. That's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not I'm not you know butchering you know that movie, but that's as best as I remember it. Just and then put that on the list. The uh, yeah, well, we can watch that one too. Yep. Uh, the third movie that she was in before Annie Hall was Love and Death. And then altogether, she's made eight movies with uh, with Woody Allen, you know, including including Annie Hall. Something else about Woody Allen is that he he becomes he becomes very enamored with the uh, with uh, with his actresses, mm. or the, and so so usually once Woody Allen kind of not discovers, but you know, once he stumbles onto an actress he likes, 
he'll make like three, four, five movies in a row with them. Wow. So Diane, Diane Keaton was one of those actresses. Um, so it's like a Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Kind of, yeah. Kind of. I want to say, uh, what's her name? I think her name is Faye Dunaway. Oh, God, I hope I'm not fucking that up. I should really know this. I, but I think it was Faye Dunaway. In fact, go ahead and talk for a second because I want to confirm this. So, so talking to the mic, fill in some time for me. Okay. <laughs> I don't have much direction here. Uh, oh, there, okay, there was that scene in uh, in Annie Hall when Annie calls Alvy in the middle of the night, at three in the morning, when olive oil is in Alvy's bed. <laughs> <laughs> but she calls him to come over. It's an emergency. Oh, I love that scene. Keep so, going. You're doing great. Yeah, I love so, that scene. So he's concerned, and he rushes over to Annie's house. And he asks what the emergency is. And she tells him that it's to kill a spider. There's a spider in the bathroom. And she... Star, would you is like a glass possible? of chocolate milk? Hey, what am I, your son? What do you mean? I, I came over for a... T- I got the good chocolate. Yeah, I, where's I the spider? Where's it in the bathroom? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, don't squish it. And after it's dead, flush it down the toilet, okay? And flush I mean, it a couple of times. Darling, I've been killing spiders since I was 30, Okay. Very big spider. Yeah, Two, yeah a lot of trouble. It's two of them. Two? Yep. I didn't think it was that big, but it's a major spider. You got a broom or something with a, oh, like a, I, a snow I, it's shovel? Oh, your house. I think I left it there. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Honey, there's a spider in your bathroom the size of a Buick. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is this? You got black soap? It's for my complexion. What are, what are you joining a minstrel show? We find we soon find out that Annie misses Alvy. Yeah, yeah. She it was, was. It wasn't. He. She didn't call him to come kill the spider. Nothing to do with the spider. Well, she might have been scared of the spider, but more than that, as you as you happily say, she was just. She just wanted to see. Uh, she just wanted to see Alvy. She missed him, and he obliged. He, he obliged, and he also lied about you. Know, about olive oil. Yeah. And by the way, I'm so glad I looked this up. I was way off with Faye, Faye Dunaway. So those of you who are Woody Allen fans, at this point, hopefully you're done laughing at me for fucking that up. The name I was trying to get was Mia Farrow. Way so off. So close. Wasn't even close. So Mia Farrow, um, they were, not only did she make a lot of movies with Woody Allen as his, as his lead, they also were... Uh, romantically uh, romantically engaged for several years. She's also at the core of, you know, the, 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 the dark sort of controversy of Woody Allen's life because, you know, while they were together, he was having an affair with her adopted daughter. Um, what? Yeah. Um, what, what is her name? See, again, I, I've, I've put myself on the spot. If we weren't recording, I could give you her name. Is it relevant, the name? I guess not. I mean, you know, it, it, the, the, the main thing, the, the main controversy was that, you know, she had a, an adoptive daughter. I want to say she's Vietnamese. If she's not, then that sounds really awful on my part. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so Woody Allen was, you know, having an affair with her adopted daughter. Mia Farrow found out. It became a huge, huge, you know, horrible, uh, you know, sort of dark, dark spot in Woody Allen's sort of, you know, public uh, public career for whatever that's worth. 
And so then from there, there was, you know, uh, allegations on Mia, Mia Farrow's part of Woody Allen, you know, uh, being sort of a pedophile and also maybe, you know, uh, molesting uh, some of you know, her, some of maybe her other other kids. And, uh, you know, for, for the record, for whatever it's worth, you know, Woody Allen's always denied it and she's always, you know, whatever. And at this point, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, whatever you believe, chances are it's going to sort of fall in line with how you feel about Woody Allen in general. Right. If you don't like Woody Allen, there's there's a good chance that you probably think that he was doing inappropriate things. If you're a fan of Woody Allen, there's probably a good chance that you defend him and say he would never do that. Uh, Diane Keaton, for whatever it's worth, she's gone on the record in terms of saying that she does not believe that he's done these things, and she does support you know her friend Woody Allen. Doesn't mean she's right or wrong, but again, you know, it's nice it, of her. It's one of those yeah. things where there's 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 what there's. Really, like, if if, there, if if anything bad happened, there's really only two people in the whole world who know if, who, who knows yeah, if it's true. They know. And for the rest of it, it's just all sort of, you know, speculation. So that said, it's probably... <laughs> I probably don't have to tell you that Mia Farrow did not make any more movies with Woody Allen. Really? After, <laughs> surprising. <laughs> after that. Uh, in recent years, one of Woody Allen's muses that he's uh, made a lot of movies with is um, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Really? She uh, she was in Matchpoint, and that was again. He's he makes a movie every year, but there was a long stretch where Woody Allen was making movies that just nobody seemed to care about. They weren't that great. It felt like maybe he lost his touch, possibly. Mm-hmm. And then he made Matchpoint, and it sort of put him back on the map in a big way in terms of you know people talking about Woody Allen and as far as being you know like an important filmmaker again. Right. And so Scarlett Johansson was uh, the star of that one. I also feel like I don't think so. I mean Match Point certainly didn't make her a star, but I, I think it went I think it went a long way towards maybe validating her as as uh, as an actress as an actress worth noting because you know one of the things about Woody Allen movies is a lot of actors see Woody Allen movies as as something to be achieved. Mm -hmm. That if you can get into a Woody Allen movie, then you've made it. Now, if you can become part of the Woody Allen canon, it's like a big deal for actors. And for that reason, they make almost no money in Woody Allen movies. Mm -hmm. And it's not not him being a cheapskate. It's just his movies, no matter how much money they make, they're basically these low-budget films. Right. Um, And so so, so no matter how big a star you are, if you're in a Woody Allen movie, you're going to take a pay cut. And... Pretty much all all actors that that you know work in his movies willingly take that pay cut because they want to they want to etch their name in, in you know the the Woody Allen you know canon of films. Right. Um, let's see here. I feel like I was going somewhere with that in terms of a Scarlett Johansson Match Point. Have you seen Match Point by the way? I have not. That might be one that we add on the list. You know, a, a, a movie that might maybe we'll watch down the line that you haven't seen would be Deconstructing Harry. It's a Woody Allen movie that I like a lot. It's also a movie. It doesn't star Robin Williams, but Robin Williams is in it. So mm-hmm. maybe that's the one that we could consider down the line when we're looking for a Robin Williams movie to to watch to help us to give us to give us a platform right. for for kind of talking about uh, talking about his his career. Uh, let's see here. I don't know. I, well, we've done a pretty good job. I, anything else about uh, Annie Hall? You'd like to talk about? I've, oh, yeah, actually, something really quickly. Now I remember what I wanted to talk about. Then we'll, then we'll get go move in the direction of wrapping up. Okay. Is uh, in two thousand and five, I believe that was the year. Two thousand and five is when Match Point came out. Uh, before it came out in, in wide release, you know what 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 often happens with 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 these movies is they're they're um, 
essentially there's like private screenings for, you know, uh, for selected audiences. And so, uh, so your uncle Greg, my big brother, uh-huh. uh, he's, uh, he's a member of the screen actors guild SAG for, mm-hmm. for, for, for those, for those in the know. So as a member of SAG, uh, he often gets invitations to, to movie screenings. And so, um, so he had a uh, so he was so so basically he had an invitation to go watch a screening of Matchpoint, and so he was able to take a guest. And so it just so happened that this screening was on my birthday, and also because I love Woody Allen, and as I mentioned earlier, it was your uncle Greg who essentially introduced me to Woody Allen. So it was sort of fitting, I right. think, that he would take me to see this screening of Matchpoint. But beyond that, following the screening, there was a Q and A with the cast. And the director, so I got to see Woody Allen in person at this Q and A. Uh, I also got to see Scarlett Johansson in person. She's you know she's gorgeous for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. There was also um, oh what's his name? He's pretty successful now. He started the Tudors. Recently played Dracula. Uh, Again, uh, Jonathan Reese Myers. He was also there because he was in Match Point. Um, there's some other actors, really wonderful actors. I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden, but uh, but mainly the you know Scar- Scarlett Johansson. She was probably the biggest star there, next to Woody Allen. Uh, but during the Q and A, people were only talking to Woody Allen, like they weren't talking anything to the other <laughs> actors. And I, I was actually think I was trying to think of a question that I could ask one of the other actors because it was it wasn't ever awkward, but I almost felt bad for them. Like they, yeah. <laughs> although I have to imagine they weren't surprised that everybody wanted to talk to Woody Allen. And one of the great things about Woody Allen, uh, like in person. He's every bit as funny and as charming as you would imagine he would be, which is really great. It's also not surprising because he, you know, before he was a filmmaker, he was a stand-up comedian. So he's comfortable being in front of an audience and being interesting. So it's not crazy to think that he'd be really great in a Q and A. One of the things that he shared during the Q and A, I think somebody asked him a question about. um, Oh, by the way, Sidney Pollack was the. uh, he was the moderator for the Q&A. You probably don't know from Sidney Pollack. He was a very famous and successful uh, director. He passed away a few years, unfortunately, from, from cancer. Um, but it was really, I was really glad that I got to see him in person, too. He was also a really good actor, but he's known primarily for, for being a director, I think. Okay. But Woody Allen, and somebody asked him, it might have been Sidney Pollack, but it could have been a question from the audience, asked him about, you know, cause, about you know, dramas and comedies. Could Woody Allen, he, he makes straight-up comedies, and he also makes very straightforward dramas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't always blend them. It's, it's very often it's one or the other. And he's great at both of them. He, he's made, like one of my very favorite dramas that he's made is uh, uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Wonderful movie. Really smart, insightful, interesting. Uh, I, I, I definitely want you to watch that one. I think you'll like it. Um, and so they kind of asked him, like, you know, when you start writing a movie... Like, do you just start telling a story and then you kind of figure out it's a comedy or a drama or, like, how do you do it? And so he said that, you know, he he knows from the beginning, like, he makes a choice that I'm going to write a comedy. And mm-hmm. I know this is a comedy. Uh, other people might not think it's a comedy, <laughs> but, I, but, yeah. but I write it as a comedy. And so, of course, he was making a joke, but he was also, you know, giving you an insight that when he writes a comedy, he's making an effort to write a comedy. When he writes a drama, something else about Woody Allen is that he's... Even though he's known for his comedy, uh, he prefers making dramas. For him, he enjoys that more than the than making comedies. For whatever that's worth. Huh, interesting. Um, there's a really great Woody Allen documentary. Uh, it might just be called Woody Allen. I don't know. It's like a four hour documentary. It just sort of 
takes place in two parts. Mm-hmm. I watched it on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on still on Netflix. Um, we'll have to watch that. It's wonderful. We'll, we'll watch it after you've seen a few more of his films. Okay. Because it's more interesting once you've seen more of his films. But it's just a really fascinating uh, insight into his his career. Um, so that said, any final thoughts that uh, about uh, Annie Hall that uh, that you'd like to to share before we wrap things up? Or we can wrap up with the thoughts of you liked it, you liked it, you didn't like it a lot, or did you like it a lot? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Well, I, I liked it a lot. You liked it a lot. In you... my notes, I put that I loved it. Did you? Yeah, in my note, directly <laughs> after the movie. I, like, I loved it. So when the movie was over, you wrote a note to yourself that said, I loved it. Yeah. But then by the time we sat down to talk, you liked it a lot. Yeah. At the, after talking about it, do you love it again? or do you I like... think if, if I love a movie... I wouldn't mind watching it twice. Okay. Back to back. All right. So I love that. I could watch it again. That said. I uh, liked it a lot. Would you be willing to watch Annie Hall again? In a week or so? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I would show I would show it to somebody else. Uh, that was actually that, yeah. that was my next question. Because um, you know uh, you have a you have a very sweet girlfriend and her name is Myra. Mm-hmm. Is this the movie you can see yourself sitting her down and say I think you'll like this? You want to watch this with me? Or yeah. actually, yeah, because I could I could. Put on Annie Hall, mm-hmm. a double feature with 500 Days of Summer. Oh, look at you. And you know what? You don't even have to give me credit for that. You, I, can, you can just make that your own thing. I thought that was my own thing. No, that wasn't your... You You already admitted on the record that I told you that. What? You realize we record this, don't you? You didn't tell me. All that people have to do is go back and listen to like an hour and a half ago, and they're going to see that I... They're going to They're going to hear you saying that I told you that. I don't remember saying those exact words. So not only don't you listen to this podcast, you don't even listen to the conversation we're having when we record this podcast. Is that how it's supposed to work? Oh, my God. Son of a bitch. You know what? We really do need to wrap up now. (laughs) Goddamn son of a bitch. Um, All right. Well, that said, uh, before we wrap up for good, I just want to remind you guys, as I do every week, if you have any shopping to do, you should do your shopping on Amazon.com. Because not only does Amazon.com have everything you could possibly need, but you can also shop on Amazon through the Martin Lestrap Show podcast at martinlestrapshow.com. So if you go to martinlestrapshow.com, click on the Amazon banner, you can find it virtually on any page on the website. But if you click on the shop page, you'll you'll see the Amazon banner. Click on that. It's going to send you to Amazon. Once you're in Amazon, do all the same shopping you were going to do anyway. And what happens is in return... For whatever shopping you do, Amazon kicks a few pennies back our way, and then we here at the Marginal Strap Show Podcast Hour were able to reinvest that money into the show, and we get to make it as good as we can possibly make it for you. Let me ask you, Nathaniel, do you do shopping on Amazon? Occasionally. Occasionally. Uh, Because you don't listen to the show, I'm not going to ask you if you do your shopping through the official website of this podcast. However, now that you are here to hear me talk about Amazon.com, the next time you shop on Amazon, what are you going to do? I'm going to go to the martinlestrapshow.com. Exactly, but don't put the in there. No. Go to martinlestrapshow.com. martinlestrapshow.com. What else are you going to do? I'm going to click the Amazon banner. That sounds Is that good. What I'm gonna do? That sounds like a great idea. And then what? And then it'll take me directly to amazon.com. Yeah. And I could buy whatever I need to buy. Yep. And it'll send a few pennies back your way. Now, let me ask you this. Um, do you have any concerns that because you went through my website that Amazon is going to put some like hidden costs uh, on top of the money that you've already spent? Well, yeah. Does, does Amazon put any hidden costs on the, 
on the price I might actually spend otherwise? Absolutely not. There are no hidden costs, no hidden fees. Your shopping experience is identical to what it would otherwise have been. The difference is, because you went through the website, you now essentially have donated money to to here to us here at the show, and we could it helps us produce this show. So you're going to do the shopping you would have otherwise done. So there'll be snacks next time. There might be snacks. Cool. Possibly. That's an investment in the show. Yeah. In fact, you can do that. Go on Amazon, buy some snacks, bring it to our next sit down, and then we'll have snacks. It's like Inception. I, yeah. Yeah. I just incepted you. Wow. Or did you incept me? We just incepted each other. Talk about inappropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, I want to thank you guys again for joining us this week here at the Martin Lestrapso Podcast Hour. Um, I'm sure Nathaniel would like to thank you. Anything you want to say to the listeners who uh, enjoy uh, enjoy listening to you on the program? Uh, Nathaniel, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, I am so sorry. Oh, you, that was me talking to myself you son of a bitch anyway uh, uh, again thank you everybody for joining us again this week and until next time I'll see you on the other side bye